Welcome to Cheers from the Press Box. I am your host this host this week. The Dad Hat Daddy is back. Hmm. Uh, Joe Dorville, and I'm here with Brennan T. Comedy. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, brother? Lots to get to this week, man. <laughs> Lots to get to. So first, as always, we're going to cover the NFL because that is the big ticket item. Then we're going to get into some college football, some off-season basketball stuff. Then we're going to get to some quick hits, which has uh, some fight recaps and some fight announcements. And uh, Brennan has a specific question for me. Then we'll get to the walk-offs, and you know that's where we cry so without further ado ready to return the opening kickoff perfect way to kick off here we go that was such a professional intro by me probably the first of my <laughs> lifetime on this show uh I, I kept listening to past episodes and every time i do it i get right to the game whereas you set it all up i'm like huh that that's nice <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Brennan, you know what time it is. Time for the Game of the Week! Game of the Week! All right, Game of the Week in our eyes this week. Even though there was a little consternation, we had a little discussion prior. But uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. Boom. This was Baker crazy Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, Brendan, did you did you take back your apology last time, or did you continue to apologize? I'm holding firm at this point with <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Holding firm on the counter apology or the apology? No, the counter apology. The counter apology. Okay, because he hasn't thrown a pick since Odell went down. I know. <laughs> it looks terrible now, but the night is darkest before the dawn. I mean, in two of the, in just two of those games, that game and then this game, he has nine touchdowns. I know. In, in that span alone. He's playing out of his mind. This game was crazy, too, because um, Tennessee was favored. It's at Tennessee, and Cleveland, it, I thought it was going to be a route. Like, yeah. it got out of hand early. I didn't early. think it was going to be a route. I did. Man, when it was 38-7, to 7, I was like, uh-oh. Oh, you mean as the game started. I was. Yeah, I thought yeah, you were talking yeah. about before the game. I was about to say, before the game, I thought it would be a no, close no, game. No, 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 not at all. I, thought, I honestly thought Tennessee would take this game, but they're built very similarly in the fact that they need to, like, before Baker went off the last couple of weeks, but it seemed like they were both built the same way, which is get a lead early, just have your quarterback kind of manage the game, not make any mistakes, and run and the run, shit out run, of the ball. Run, run yeah. down your throat. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I think we brought it up a couple times prior, but Tennessee's defense is not as good as it was last year. They lost no, a couple of key all. pieces. Yep. And, um, when last week Cleveland didn't have uh, Miles Garrett because he was in contact tracing protocol, and God dang, does that guy make a difference for that entire defense? Yeah, he's the once heart of that defense. Once he gets back on that line, now he's on the edge, which is where we're traditionally used to, you know, the big key defensive guys, unlike yeah. Aaron Donald, who plays yeah, inside. But he is Aaron Donald-esque on that outside. He is J.J. Watt early years-esque on that outside. Once he is there, the whole defense has to shift, and it just creates for everybody else. Uh, and, yeah, so their defense just had a field day. They sacked. Tannehill three times. Baker, on the other hand, was untouched for the game. Goose and um, then it came down to turnovers. Uh, I'm sad to say Derrick Henry had a costly fumble um, yeah. very early on in the game. Really fucked up my fantasy, too. But, um, yeah, after that, it was kind of just avalanche. Well, they only held him to 60 yards as well. Like you're saying, that defense... 
And I, <clears throat> I saw what was it last week with uh, the uh, Jags game when when he was out. You know, they, it looked like a game, and then he's back. You know, he's in, and then you, you know, you see what they do to Tennessee. It was um, I really respected Tennessee's heart coming back into this game, fighting their yeah. way back. They had a chance to win. I mean, they held them to three points in the third quarter, and then nothing in the fourth quarter. So yeah. Tennessee uh, had themselves the opportunity to come back in this game. That would have been a massive comeback, though. That would have been, been like insane yeah because it was it was 30 it would have been 31 point or excuse me yeah 31 points it was 38 to 7 going into the half so i i think tennessee's still going to be the team to reckon with in the playoffs um i think it was just you know we'll talk about it later too i mean there's there's teams are going to have off games you know there's weird shit yeah. happens you get a couple of those big plays early and i know you don't believe in momentum but they still got momentum and just started rolling Momentum is a fictional thing. <laughs> um, sorry, I just want to look at the sack leader because I don't know if Miles Garrett took it back after this game. Well, what? No, it was Aaron. It wasn't it Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, and Aaron Donald are going back and forth with it. Um, but uh, what's the name was up there for a while as well. Uh, geez, this is. I just remember last week TJ Watt took it back. Sorry, folks. I should have looked this up sooner. And Pro Football Reference sometimes has a terrible, terrible website. Right now, TJ Watt with 11. Aaron Donald is number two with 10. Uh, Miles Garrett is tied with third for nine and a half. Nine and a half? Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Well. What do you think moving forward? Do you trust the Browns? I mean, they're nine and three. I think they're a fraudulent nine and three. I know I'm an idiot for saying that, but no, I don't think you're an idiot for saying that because the same way I thought the Steelers were a fraudulent uh, spoiler, were a fraudulent eleven and zero. Um, yeah, they can be a fraudulent nine and three. I mean, they still got molly whopped by uh, Pittsburgh earlier in the year. They got molly whopped yep. by the Ravens, who now yep. look like a shell of themselves. So, well, it's a it's bit a, of a Jekyll Hyde situation. This is the say, first good team they've beaten. Yeah, really. yeah, um, yeah. It, um, and I was gonna say too, it's it's an odd thing because. Um, like, <clears throat> obviously, the Ravens finished better than they did last year. So their schedule wasn't because, you know, the schedule is based on how you finished the year prior. Yeah. So they had exactly. an easier schedule. And obviously, the Ravens aren't doing so well. They had the harder schedule. And everyone, to your point, to exactly your point, Pittsburgh had one of the easier schedules as well because they finished, I think, third in the division last yeah, year. They or were eight and eight. Yeah. So. So the fact that they're nine and three, I mean, it's good for them. I just, I think once we get into playoff football in January, should we explain how the scheduling works for? Because I don't know if everybody knows that. So the, in the NFL, basically, your schedule is determined by how you finish the year prior in your division. So if you're a number one team, if you finish in first place in your division, you get what's known as a first place schedule. So you play against other first place teams that yeah, you play against year. all the other first place teams. Yep. And then you also get scheduled like one division outside of your own. So this year, the NFC East and the AFC North are all playing each other. So all those teams get to play each other, which means the Cleveland gets to beat up on Washington, Philly, yep. uh, <laughs> Dallas. Well, not and only that, Giants. but they're playing the AFC South too. Yeah. So yeah. so they're so they're going against the AFC South, the NFC East, and then they have two games in their own division. So I mean, between the Jags, the Texans, the Giants, the you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's 
It's no wonder so why having a having a third place schedule already and then playing some of the weaker divisions would lend itself to you appearing more fraudulent than others. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. That's I believe in Tennessee little, though. That's a good I, little schedule breakdown right there, bud. <laughs> Thank you. I think Tennessee <laughs> I still think Tennessee's for real. I think their defense is gonna figure it out. I mean, to be honest with you, like I, I really do think their defense can figure it out enough to to stay, you know, a little bit buoyant. I mean, they've got some names on there and they've got some good players, so I, I think they'll be all right. Plus they've got King Henry, so you can't you can't yeah, put it past never them. count them out. Especially in January football. <laughs> and Tannehill still looks good, man. Um, yeah. I mean, he had an interception, uh, constant pressure, but I mean, like you said, they almost mounted a comeback. Yeah, four hundred, almost 400 yards, 389 yards, three touchdowns, that pick. You know, like you said, he was sacked three times, but 29 of 45 in a game where you're down by that much in the beginning. And yeah. you know Cleveland wants to run the ball, so in order, exactly. you know what I mean? like, And they know you're not going to run the ball, so they're just going to tee off and yep. square up on your quarterback. Yeah, that's the worst But you know who also had a long day at the office getting hit a bunch of times? Uh, I think I know where you're going with this. Would that that be was Mr. one Russell, Russell Cooking Wilson. Wilson. Hustle yes. and bustle. Hey, um, Joe, I meant to ask you earlier. Did you remember to bring your ticket for the show tonight? Uh, what ticket? Your ticket for the A train because we're going oh, to Morrisville, baby. Oh, <laughs> New York Giants. Uh, put in put in your applications to be the co-host of this podcast. <laughs> we got Morrisville, A train, Tampa Bay. Uh, anybody? Alfred please. Morris putting it on the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks defense. Oh, he uh, put it on them. Um. I just really quick. I know we're going to get into the actual game itself, but I just wanted to remind everybody Alfred Morris got a six yard pass from Colt McCoy. I know you haven't heard that year, name in years. And then he also had a four yard run. So two first touchdowns win, for my man. Starting win since 2014, I believe. For I know, that's, that's crazy. And then and um, let's not forget. Sorry to cut you off. Let's not no. forget that same year that Alex Smith went down with a leg in, with that gruesome leg injury. Yeah. Like two games later, Colt McCoy went down with that same leg injury. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. He also broke his leg that same year. They had two quarterbacks that broke their leg for the Washington football team. But this is. The New York Giants defense played out of their mind. Seattle, we all know, doesn't have a very strong defense right now, which is crazy because you think of it like Bobby Wagner is a Hall of Famer. They got Carlos Dunlap back there. They've got um, like they've got some players. Um, God, I they can't got believe no it. corners. Jamal Adams. That's what I was going to say. They've got Jamal Adams to kind of anchor that secondary. But like you said, they have no corners. And New York Giants played old school smash mouth. Listen to some of these stats. Yeah, like, this, this is crazy. Wayne Gallman, 16 carries, 135. Gallman. Okay. 16 <laughs> carries. You can, you can tell I was only focused on Alfred. 16 <laughs> carries, 135 yards, averaging 8.4 yards a carry, had a long of 60 yards. Alfred Morris had eight carries for 39. Not awesome, but 4.9 yards a carry. I'll take that with a touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Cole McCoy, uh, only 13 to 22 for 105 yards, a touchdown and a pick, but they didn't need him to do a whole lot because they stifled Seattle's high power Russell Wilson crazy offense to 12 <laughs> points. Yeah. Um, to, to that, to that point five, he was sacked five times yeah. and they got 10 quarterback hits on him. They were living in that backfield and just pressuring him all day. So he didn't have time to 
get the ball off to DK Metcalf or uh, Tyler Lockett. He was he was running for his life back there. Yeah, for sure. I think um, the Green Bay Packers are definitely going to miss Blake Martinez, who signed with the New York Giants in the offseason. Like he's mm-hmm. been, you know, a linebacker, kind of a no name kind of guy. Like a lot of people don't know his name, but he is the general of that defense. Once again, led the team with tackles and they can really. I think in with the playoffs coming up, I mean, I don't know. The Giants might be able to make the playoffs in that NFC East. And I, I don't want to say this, but if they stay playing the way they're playing, they might actually be able to win a game or two in the playoffs. <laughs> um, another another name. There's another two names on that defense that uh, people should be aware of. Uh, Leonard Williams. Oh, um, yeah. Out of Daytona, Florida. I believe he went to Mainland High School. Um, and he went to USC, uh, drafted by the Jets, eventually traded to the Giants. Uh, he has more sacks this year than he had in his three years with the Jets. Uh, he's playing like a man possessed. And James Bradbury, who's an offseason acquisition uh, coming over from Carolina, has been playing some lockdown defense uh, corner um, has been playing some lockdown defense this year. Um, I've seen him twice, and I can attest to this. Um, yeah. So yeah, the the Giants' defense looked good. They shocked, they stunned the world by beating uh, the Seahawks in a ugly, ugly seventeen to twelve game. We say it every week, man. Everybody gets paid. This is the NFL, and everybody gets paid. And you know who got paid this week? Who? The A train, Alfred <laughs> Morris. Um, just real quick, I wanted to do this because it's kind of my thing. It's kind of what I'm known for. But you know what separates the New York Giants from the Seattle Seahawks is literally just tenths of a second. But we'll get into that later on in the walkout. <laughs> huge shout out! Huge shout out to my man Alfred Morris from Florida Atlantic University, the sixth round pick for the Washington Football Team back in 2012. Still making moves to this day. Been in the league a minute. Just keep swinging for the fences, Alf Dog. Keep swinging for the fences. Keep swinging for the fences, homie. Uh, you know who was swinging for the fences yesterday? I'm I'm I want to say Derek Carr. Mm, wrong. The Jets were swinging to the fences <laughs> to try and get me. their first win me. of the season, but they come up short. Brennan, explain to the folks how they came up short. They came up short because they decided to give no safety help over the top against Henry Ruggs, one of the <laughs> fastest players in the NFL. As we call it in Madden, Engage eight. Yep. Uh, Greg Williams was uh, released today by the team, fired, as it were. Relieved of his duties. That's it. Um, Yeah, he's always been known as a very aggressive defensive coordinator. A lot of the players were even saying after the game for the Jets that it was a bad call, but they ran the play that he called. Um, It's a full blitz. You're in zero coverage for for the uninitiated, but we are initiated. Uh, Zero (laughs) coverage is... um, Everyone's manned up and you blitz more than you have help. So there's no safety help over the top. Mm-hmm. Normally corners stick on the wide receivers. The safeties uh, cover either the tight ends or the running backs. Um, and you're on an Island. It's just you against your guy. 
on an what? island and who they had on an island yesterday uh let me find this young man's name oh, marcus a- may uh undrafted rookie cornerback on an island bit on henry ruggs's double move don't know Which, why you're gonna bite on a double move that's exactly don't know why you're gonna bite on a double move but obviously they're gonna head towards the end zone young man and that allowed henry ruggs who has a better 40 time than him uh, I he ran a f- I believe young man ran a four six um it allowed him to rugs enough space a physical to player. slip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a bump and run DB. <laughs> uh, it allowed Henry Ruggs to get that sliver of uh, green because the Jets end zone is green uh, to get behind him and get that touchdown pass from one Derek Carr. It was weird when I was listening to some of the because uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff that uh, recap the games and I listen to a lot of the games on the radio when I'm driving to work or driving or whatever. So I didn't actually see how much separation Ruggs had. Everyone made it sound like he burned him and like was like way no, out in front of him. No. He had like three yards on him, four yards. And then, yeah, but at, the difference is the the corner was still facing. He, oh, he yeah, hadn't no, turned his body yeah, around. He hadn't even turned around. <laughs> he, he didn't know the ball was in the air. Yeah, Ruggs. <laughs> I mean, Ruggs burned him, but it wasn't. It wasn't nearly as bad as when people were like, "Oh, he bit on the double move," and then Ruggs just got out behind him. I was like, "Oh yeah. man, he must have toasted him." And then I watched it. I was like, yeah, "I mean, he couldn't toast him because the play was to the end zone. They yeah, were like he was, twenty yards right, away. Yeah. Ball hung in the air. I think they said fifty-three yards was the ball was in the air, which is one of the <laughs> longest throws of the year by Derek Carr, who." It's so bizarre because I know we talked about it last week and the week before. Two weeks ago, Derek Carr is here to stay. John Gruden's got to keep him. Then Jeez. last week, it's like, I don't know what you're going to do with him. And now it's this like, week. What the fuck just happened? Yeah. And then this week again. Um, it's weird because the Raiders seem like the only team that they're well equipped to play is the mm. Chiefs. And I say that because you let the New York Jets put 28 on you. Um which isn't awesome, <laughs> but uh, it's not spectacular. But the 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 Jets, who I don't know how many times they've scored twenty this year. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how many times they got in double digits this year. I'll check that as you continue. Sorry, Darren Waller, uh, of course, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Thank God he uh, was able to get his life back on track because he it was his game. Um, literally, it was his game. He had 200 receiving yards on 13 uh, catches for two touchdowns. So he played out of his mind. No um, Jacobs this week, which was a huge loss for the Raiders because I believe uh, behind or excuse me, in front of Darren Waller, Jacobs is their heart and soul of that offense Uh, before Derek Carr, before Darren Waller, before all those guys. I think it's Josh Jacobs. So the Jets had four games of which they've scored 20 of 12 games so far. So a fourth of their games, they scored twenty over 20 points. Also, a fourth of their games, they haven't scored 10 points. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you let them put 28 on you. That that defense has to take a look in the mirror. I know John Gruden's a uh, offensive coach, but that defense has to figure out what they're doing. Yeah, they got to they gotta look in the mirror and check themselves. Yep. All right. Well, those were the big three. And now it's time. Oh, shit. I said big three. We're going to say the big take. Hold on. It's hard not to. I did it last week. Sorry. One more round. Now it's time for one more round. I don't know why I played the short one, but that's what happens here, folks. Brennan. I got the first one. 
First one on one more round is going to be uh, Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Minnesota Vikings. Just a couple things I wanted to say. Jacksonville has a very good young team. Um, if I am a GM looking for a job or being courted, I want to go to Jacksonville with all their draft picks and draft capital. Uh, took the Minnesota Vikings that were favored by six and a half. Took them two overtime. Uh, lost in overtime by a field goal, which was an awesome. Dalvin Cook, of course, 32 carries for 120 yards. But seeing as how they played basically five quarters for him to get there. I'll, I'll take that. My man, James Robinson at 18 carries a touchdown and 78 yards. So overall, other than the quarterback situation, I'm very hopeful moving forward for this Jaguars team. I think they're young. I think they're hungry. I think we'll be able to maintain a lot of these contracts. And I think in the long run in the next two to three years, we're going to be very good. Uh, do you want to say anything about the, the other team that actually won the game? I did. I said Dalvin Cook, 132 or 120 yards on 32 carries. Kirk Cousins. Uh, okay, fine. Kirk Cousins, 28 of 43 for 305. Three I'm touchdowns. This game ended up in overtime. There was a lot that happened here. I said all that. You're not even listening. You're looking for something. Yeah, I'm looking for something. <laughs> I knew you were. I was going to say, I said all that. We took. I said they were favored by six and a half. We took them to overtime. <laughs> all right. Oh. I knew it. I'm looking at you like looking at your screen. I'm like, I said all that stuff already. I was looking for a little more time. Because uh, I don't remember if I remember the statistic. But the next game that we're going to talk about is the New England Patriots versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, everybody pray for uh, Anthony Lane because he's going to be losing his job real soon. Um, they got thrusted 45-0. Um, there was a block. Field goal for a touchdown at the end of the second quarter, about to go into the half. There was a, a punt return for a touchdown. Cam Newton only threw for 69 yards. Everybody laugh. Um, and Bill Belichick is now taking his record against rookies. This is what I was trying to look it up because I don't remember it because I heard it like three times yesterday to, I believe, 25 and one or 21 and five or something of that nature. Either way, Belichick against rookie quarterbacks. He dominates. He ain't something to mess with. Um, and New England, they can sneak into the playoff, Brendan. They're right on the cusp there. Right on the cusp. Right on the cusp. One more round. All right. The giant killers for the day. Um, the Washington football team upsetting in a crazy Monday night football game, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, uh, we kept referencing it earlier. Washington takes down Pittsburgh 23 to 17. All you really need to know about this game is Ben Roethlisberger had pretty good numbers. Uh, actually, really good numbers. 33 or 53, 305, two touchdowns and a pick. You just need to know when the pick was, baby. Fourth quarter, game on the line, driving down the field. Uh, to pro possibly put the game away. Ben Roethlisberger threw a pick. It's awesome to see Alex Smith start in this game and get a win against the mighty Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he was 31 of 46 for 296 yards and a touchdown. He uh, was bleeding on his leg, but it was uh, not the leg that he had surgically repaired. It was his other one. Apparently he had just gotten cleated by TJ Watt, but he's going to be all right. Um, not too much to say about this game other than the fact that Pittsburgh went down. They uh, Everyone talks about how Washington has a very good defense. We don't talk about it very often because neither of us are really connected to the Washington football team other than the fact that they play in your division. But we don't, you know, they've been kind of up and down this year. Chase, uh, Chase, Young, Chase Young was a great second overall pick. Yeah, that's true. But... um he, they, uh, yeah, it was weird because I was listening to Ryan Shazier break down this game and 
uh, before the game, excuse me, talk about it, preview the game. That's the word. Uh, and he was like, there's no way. There's no way that Pittsburgh uh, loses to the Washington football team. It's impossible. There's no way. And he was on the Bill Simmons podcast. And Bill was like, no, you don't think like maybe they're thinking about next week or maybe even a little. And he was so convinced, like how I am sometimes that crazy convinced like with Jacksonville. And he's like, there is no Way and then come to find out, Washington wins the game 23 17. And Belichick's record is now 20 and 5. 20 and 5. One more row. Talk about trying to convince yourself. Oh boy, for weeks, for weeks, <laughs> I've been trying to convince myself it's the offensive line. It's because we don't have receivers out there. Uh, the defensive front looks good. The corners are shaky. We have no linebackers. They didn't address the whole linebacking position in free agency. Or in the draft. I'm talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, folks. We lost to the Green Bay Packers. Not only did we lose, we caved in. We fucking caved in. And we benched Carson Wentz, put in Hurts, who looks wholly inaccurate, throwing balls way too high, way too low, to the side, to the left, to the right. But he was able to get the touchdown that then set up, uh, that made it feel like we have a chance and then we got a punt return for a touchdown. And then we promptly missed the field goal there because, of course, that's our luck. And then after that, Aaron Jones breaks off a 77-yard run to, you know, Put the nail in the coffin, but I got him on my fantasy team, and those were good fantasy points. So I cared for that because you know why? I knew we were going to lose this game, and I knew we suck going into this year. So I don't care. You can't hurt me anymore. Do you want to? Um, do you want to tell the audience what you said? What did I say about the Wentz era? Uh, did I say something about the Wentz era? The Wentz. I'm gonna. I'm quoting Joe Dorville here. The Wentz era in Philly is over. That's got to I hurt. Put that <laughs> I put that? Oh, yeah. You put <laughs> look in the look, Discord. Look, look, when I'm angry, when I I'm angry, it. I just I, I get name of the episodes either taking the A train to Mooresville or that got to hurt. Whenever I get upset, I I start fuming in all directions, and then by the time I get to the show, Do you I'm, think I'm relaxed? So I forget everything. I, <laughs> I want to ask you. I want to ask you this. I know it's one more round, so I'll be quick about it, but. So Carson Wentz in uh, 2017 had one, one of the, the best rosters around also him. Also one of the greatest seasons. Yeah, but what I wanted to focus on more specifically is he had one of these one of the best rosters around him. They worked magic with that salary I know cap. Where you're going. They moved a bunch of things around. Then they gave him the contract, and then they have all these injury issues, and he doesn't have as good as a roster around him. And now it seems like he's imploding on himself. Not to mention he said that Jalen Hurts, in fact, there's chatter in the locker room that that affected his confidence. Do you think Carson Wentz is the guy and worth the $128 million if bringing in Jalen Hurts affects his confidence, A, and B, not having the same pieces around him is affecting him this drastically? Because Aaron Rodgers makes Jesus guys around Christ, him better. That's a long question. <laughs> but but you see what I'm saying? Like that's it. That's 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 the only okay. point I wanted to make. Let me try to address this. Four points <laughs> Let me try there. to address this in a point by point manner. First point: um, drafting Jalen did that affect his confidence? I wouldn't be shocked if it affected his confidence. Um, a lot of guys don't like when people get drafted behind them. We've seen Peyton Manning before uh, when they were going to send another 
put quarterback in to take the knee. He grabbed his helmet and fucking ran out there and won't let the other guy get any reps or snaps. Uh, Rogers has complained about the drafting of Jordan Love. I felt I when they drafted him, I was like, why the fuck are you drafting a quarterback? We have other uh, areas we need to address. Like I said earlier, linebacker. We didn't go out and get any linebacker this entire offseason. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But um, to your second point, I, I too had that thought. Um, last year when the team was floundering uh, because of injuries specifically to the receiver position and I said out loud to someone and I was like, I don't know maybe Wentz is just the guy who can do good with good people around him. Maybe he can't elevate people to another level. But then we see them go on a run and sneak into the playoffs last year with uh, fucking his best receiver was a college quarterback and it wasn't Julian Edelman. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe. And then this year, everything just craps out, implodes on itself. And I'm not shocked by it in the least because I think I said on this podcast, as soon as the season starts, we're already down two offensive linemen. We've lost. Yeah, you brought that up before. Yeah. Um, uh, Lane Johnson. Johnson. I knew I was saying it wrong. Um, Jason Peters has been in and out of the lineup, Kelsey's been. Uh, dealing with injuries of late. So, yes, and the receiver talent is not good. The whole team, I don't think it's a Wentz problem. I think it's a team problem. The whole team needs to be reconstructed. Well, you can't get rid of that contract, so Wentz is your guy moving forward. Okay, that that was the one part I forgot. The contract thing. I don't have an issue with the contract. That's the going rate. As soon as he signed that contract, everybody was like, oh, wow, you're really going to make this guy the highest paid quarterback. Two weeks later, Jared Goff gets a better contract. Uh, no, so I understand that, but what I'm saying paid, is... It's not, it's not like he's getting paid this dearth of money. He's getting paid the standard rate for a quarterback, a good quarterback, yeah. essentially. And we're just now finding out that he's not good enough for that contract. Yeah, he yeah might, I was we're finding say out he's not good not. enough for that I mean, contract. It's the chicken or the egg. But yeah, Jared Goff is also then. getting paid more than him. and But he just has I a know, better team insane. around him. Oh, exactly. a much better team. But then again, they mortgage their entire future exactly. on that. So, <laughs> All right, let's All do right, it. We've labored around on this one long enough. Uh, Brandon really got me going. My juices were flowing. And good. You know, good. You know what That's else is flowing? The order what? of the top 25. Brandon, give us our NCAA recap. Oh, check me on that <laughs> one. All right, here we go. So, just going to break it down real quick. We're going to go through some of the crazy games from the uh, top 25. One Alabama game I putting hear. it on LSU. Alabama putting it on LSU, 55-17. to 17. The Raging Cajuns of Louisiana beat Appalachian State, who's in a tailspin. They lost to Coastal Carolina two weeks ago, now losing to Louisiana. Number 25, Louisiana, edging that out. Notre Dame beat up on Syracuse. Clemson obviously takes down Virginia Tech. Ohio State womps Michigan State. Uh, let's, see. let's see if we have any have good in games in here. <laughs> um, all right. How about this? The Duke Blue Devils oh. getting trounced by That's Miami. One to get to. Miami is back. <laughs> not back. I will never say that we're back. Eight and one Miami. Seven and one of the ACC <laughs> conference play. Forty-eight to zero against the Dukies. Yep. Um, it's not the game I wanted to hear about. Indiana. Indiana took down Wisconsin. Coastal. We're going to get the Coastal Carolina. We go. 
I told you we were going to get there. Coastal Carolina taking down the offensive juggernaut that is BYU, 22 to 17, holding BYU, who I think was averaging 48 Something points this that. season yep. per game. Holds them to 17. Now, Coastal Carolina um, coming from, uh, I believe they're in the Sun Belt, if I'm not mistaken. Right there, baby. Former, uh, the former conference of my lovable Florida Atlantic University, we're now in Conference USA. Coastal Carolina moves up from 1AA to the Sun Belt Conference, taking down number 13 BYU. We've talked about it before, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about it again, and I'm going to keep talking about it. We're going to see a lot of these smaller, non Power 5 schools that are still Division 1 for all you assholes out there who are like, I didn't even know you guys were a Division 1 team. Well, fuck you. Coastal Carolina is 18th and just want BYU 22. Well, not want, but beat BYU 22. <laughs> Two to seventeen, the most high-powered offense in NCAA football. Why this was the game I wanted to hear the most about is because of the fact that BYU, oh big bad BYU, said we'll play anybody anywhere. Washington offered them a game. Watching a Power Five team, supposedly because the Pac-12 is technically Power Five, um, they said, "No, nah, we don't want to play that game." Coastal Carolina said, "We'll play you." They said, "Yeah, we're gonna go play Coastal Carolina. They think they're just gonna beat up on these hicks from North Carolina on the coast, and they got their asses kicked, sent back to Utah, packing." That's what I'm talking about. Yep. How do you go from scoring 48 points in the, the Pac-12? To You're not used to that humility. That's what it is, baby. What's up? My North Carolina Tar Heels beat Western Carolina. Don't really want to talk too much about that, but they won big. And very somber news, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, very sad news. Um, it pains me to admit this. Um, I, I, Joe, if you just um, give me a second. Do, my, do, you need, do you need some time here? Uh, just just, a, just a okay. 30 seconds. My beloved, my beloved Florida Atlantic Gals went into the Georgia Southern game favored by two and a half. Oh, and um, I'm sorry to admit this to the listening public, but we couldn't make it happen. Twenty seconds, and it was it was heartbreaking. Um, we were given Marshall a run for their money to win Conference USA again uh, for what would have been, I believe, the third year in a row. And Georgia Southern put it on us. The seven and four Georgia Southern team. Don't even know who the fuck I they think are. They're Eagles. The okay, Eagles. How about say? Yeah. I know who oh. they are. I just don't want to say. Uh, beat us 20 to 3. So uh, I'm sorry to everyone out there listening. I, I, I apologize for the showing of my Florida Atlantic Owls. And uh, we just got to move on. We, you know, on, on to Cincinnati. Speaking as Coach of once moving said. on. That's where I tee you up for the. <laughs> who's in, who's out? Who's in and who's out? So coming in at number 20, Brennan's beloved UNC Tar Heels sneak their way back into the top 25 after being unranked for I don't know how many weeks. Colorado, who two weeks. Colorado, who I think yeah. had a dazzling performance, who are now 4-0 have jumped back, jumped for the first time this year into the top 25, coming in at 21. Uh Texas Longhorns at six and three, all right. My eyes don't deceive me. I'm rubbing them the check. Uh, six and three. Yep. Uh, they were unranked prior, and they're back in at number twenty-three. And the Buffalo Bulls, not the Buffalo Bills, but the Buffalo Bulls behind their running back, who I think had like fifteen hundred yards or eight touchdowns or something or other a couple weeks ago. 
Khalil Mack's Khalil alma Mack's mater. Alma mater. They jump back in. They jump in for the first time. I keep saying back in because it just sounds and rolls off the tongue better. They jump in at number 24 for the first time this year. Who's out? Marshall from Conference USA, as Brennan alluded to earlier. Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy's uh, mullet that is also listed. That, that whole team took a took an awful turn. Listed. They were so good in the beginning of the yeah, year. I mean, I think you jinxed them once you said they had the best. I did. <laughs> and top five defense. Top and five defense. And then me and every team in the pack, uh, the Big Twelve, were like, "Wait a second! No team in the Big Twelve can have a top <laughs> top defense." <laughs> uh, also jumping out of the uh, rankings here, Oregon from twenty one to nine. And Washington, the same Washington Huskies that BYU chose not to play, fall from number 23. Others receiving votes are NC State, Marshall, San Jose State, Oklahoma State, and UCF. Those are all the teams receiving votes above 10. Who's up? Who's down? Okay. The big one is Brennan and me. Dunked on the Mormons earlier because it's a Mormon school. Look, I'm going to say it. Brigham Young was a Mormon. Hey. Uh, also, don't know if don't What's know if you know Steve Young's. Uh, I, I was, was about to say, don't ask me, Steve <laughs> Young. I'm pretty sure. Not only is that Steve Young's alma mater, Brigham Young, Steve Young, I believe that's like his great grandfather. Great, great yeah. grandfather. Okay. So they drop six uh, spots, fall into number 14. And Wisconsin, after getting dog walked by Indiana, dropped seven spots to number 25. They're on the cusp of getting out. Uh, do you think they gave us a little bit of fool's gold at the start of the year when they started off 2-0, and especially because the second game took place? You're talking about yeah, Wisconsin? because that second game. Wisconsin is always Especially because gold. that second game took place like eight weeks after the first game because of all their COVID things. Uh, yeah. They were ranked just a little too high, you think, man? Maybe. Uh, remember? Yeah. Uh, I'm not agree with you. Everyone else talking about there. how they were ranked over Miami and they were one and old people. But, um, who's jumped up a couple points? We got Iowa, who's always Kurt Ferentz and them boys, always hanging around there with their racist strength and uh, conditioning. Coach. I was about to say, <laughs> hey, you're allowed on the field, just don't go in the restaurant. Uh, Tulsa jumps up four spots. And uh, big uh, nope, that, those were the biggest moves. Uh, Indiana finds its jumps. Miami at six and one again. Miami's eight and one. I, I, I keep getting perplexed here, but okay. Where are your hurricanes uh, we're at, at? Number nine. Uh, so yeah, it, these are these are confusing rankings to look at because teams aren't playing the same games, losses. Number number ten. Th- this is what really grinds my gears. Iowa State is number ten at eight and two, but Coastal Carolina is ten and zero when it's eleven. Like what? I don't. That don't make no sense to me. You know what the most shocking thing of that whole thing? What you just said is Iowa State grinds my gears. Oh. <laughs> the fact that you said grinds my gears. Uh, that that's a bit of a Family Guy humor, which I don't really watch or listen to anymore. But that was who's up and who's down now. For a little bit of who's in and who's out of Los Angeles, Brennan. Oh, <laughs> that's what we call oh, professional oh. business, folks. Brennan, 
I believe you heard some comments by one Paul George. Affectionately, you call him PG-13. Yes. He had some comments about how the Clippers season went down towards the end of last year. Yeah, so we're going to switch over to the NBA offseason for a little bit. Um, I uh, saw this and immediately messaged (laughs) you in the Discord because I was irate. so Paul George, who affectionately known by a lot of the fans of whatever team he's on is PG-13, which I think is a great nickname. A few years ago in the playoffs, made a big shot, got him a Gatorade ad and everything. Started actually, calling himself actually playoff. He, didn't even, he didn't make a he didn't make a shot in the playoffs. He just got he no, he, he got made, a Gatorade ad. That was oh, the really? best shot he had in that playoffs. Oh, God. <laughs> So he started, uh, call, I believe it was three years ago or four years ago. He said he's going to start. Whenever he made the by, change. Oh, no, you're going with playoff P. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to keep cutting you off, but I was joking. I don't like the name PG3. PG13. I like that. Look, name. I would like it if he didn't shoehorn it in. Because originally oh, yeah. he was number 24 in Indiana, and then out of the blue, he just changed his number and created his own nickname. You don't get to give yourself a nickname, buddy. So I have a whole I have a whole <laughs> bit about this I do on stage about creating your own nickname. You're not allowed to create your own nickname. I'm taking the mic out of the stand because I'm getting heated about this now. So <clears throat> fast forward. So he creates his own nickname with the PG-13. Whatever. Fans can get behind it. It's, it's a, a catchy good, little like, It's a oh, great like, name, but I'm guidance, so mad that like, he yeah. forced it. And then he, a few years back, uh, decides he's going to be playoff P. And then he gets bounced <laughs> in the first round. Um, still insists that people call him playoff P. Now, fast forward to this past season where Doc Rivers is now out in Los Angeles as the Clippers head coach. Ty Lue takes over. And uh, Paul George goes on um, all the smoke podcast, uh, which is a great podcast. I'll never say anything negative about anything Matt Barnes stack, does. He'll come to my house and Maddie kill me. B. It's my guys. Yeah, for sure. But um my <laughs> Those guys. My guys Look, I'm uh, never no, gonna say I a know, bad no, thing but, about Stack. He gonna jump in the stand and punch my ass the same way he did during the I malice and the towers. I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna mess with Stack. Stack's my dog. It's a um, big homie. It's a big but, bro. Uh, <laughs> you kill me with that shit. Um he goes from grains my tears to that's a big homie, man. That's a big bro. Look, I'm anyway, a complex man. I just want, <laughs> I want to get you are. I want to get through this. Uh, Playoff P then goes on the All the Smoke podcast. And if you've all seen it by now, it's on every, it was on every sports outlet. We only do it once a week now. So we're just now getting into it. But says that this is what he needs from his coach, that they didn't make the proper adjustments. They didn't make any adjustments. And that basically it's all on Doc Rivers. I did notice that there were a few segments where he, he tried to kind of half take responsibility um, for what he needed to do. And he basically bitched about coming back from surgery and all this stuff. And all of that just to say it's on the coach. Like you give yourself a nickname saying that you are a playoff guy, like you're going to make things happen and then blame not making adjustments on the coach. Basketball is a game that you make adjustments on the fly in the game. Like you don't have to have someone tell you how to like what adjustment you should make. Like there are player coaches in basketball. At least there were, you know, many, many years ago. And a lot of these, yeah. And a lot of these players know what to do in certain spots and just do it. And then you want to throw doc rivers under the bus who, Oh, 
isn't there anymore. So of course it's not going to affect you. And Doc Rivers had a great rebuttal when he said, well, I hope he's not throwing us all under the bus because Ty Lue was sitting right next to me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm infuriated at the fact that this is like the whole thing with Tom Brady earlier in the season where he was blaming everybody else when he was making bad throws. Like, and th- I mean, obviously it's two different levels. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time at that position and maybe one of the best or arguably one of the greatest uh, football players of all time. And, uh, Paul George will be forgotten in the next Ooh, 10 years, but uh, it's just, but I mean, come on, man. Like but everybody makes the NBA playoffs. A, I mean, uh, Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, no, I know that, but like, he's a great, he was a great defensive player. He came back from that horrific injury. All, all, all the credit in the yeah, world. He's, to good. Him, he's but, not great though. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and then to throw Doc Rivers under the bus, who I know not everything was great for the LA Clippers, you know, all the stuff that happened with Lob City and everything. Speaking of everything not being great for the Clippers. So, as Brendan alluded to, there was a a lot of consternation going on with the the Clippers and uh, everything that happened, not just in the playoffs, but all through the season. And uh, there's a couple of un- Un, uh, unnamed sources uh, The Athletic put out An article and here's a couple of Gripes that some of the other players Had with uh, the big Two Leonard and Paul George Leonard and George were the only players to have their Own personal security guards And trainers understandable I mean they need some type of uh, Protection they're the big ticket items Also, Leonard and George had power over the team's practices and travel schedule, leading teammates to believe Leonard canceled multiple practices. That's a little, that's a little, little but but it's on Doc to make the adjustments. You can cancel practice, but y'all can't make adjustments. Uh, Leonard was allowed to live in San Diego and commute from there, which often made him late for team flights and practices. So for those that don't know, L.A. to San Diego is about like two, two hours, two to three hours apart, give or take. Um, And it's not normal for a player to live that far away from the facilities, from the team headquarters. They usually I mean, if they do have a house somewhere, they will get a apartment close by so they can commute. Um, But Leonard decided to live in San Diego and. Yeah, his teammates weren't happy with them running on Leonard time. Uh, Leonard and George typically didn't speak to the media until at least 45 minutes after games concluded under the guise of post-game treatment or workout. This usually resulted in their teammates speaking with the media first and for longer, essentially becoming the public voices of the team. Now, Paul George, if you're going to be the leader of the team, yep. you yep. got to go out there and lead. <laughs> You want adjustments to be you're made. You're going to throw the rest of your teammates. Yeah, you're going to throw the rest of your teammates under the bus, make them talk to the media, and then come waltzing in for like 10 minutes. You want adjustments to be made, but you're not actively involved in things. But you were actively involved because teammates believed that Leonard and George were able to pick and choose when they played. Not only did they sit out games entirely, but also times they accepted and declined to go in in the moment. So you're picking and choosing when you could play. In that interview, he talked about how uh, they never got in rhythm because everybody wasn't playing together that often. They didn't have a... It was a, a thing the whole year where they didn't have a lot of cohesion because 
uh, a lot of people were missing games. Kawhi would take games off. Paul would take games off. You know how you build that cohesion? You know how you uh, account for missing playing time? Playing with each other. Get your ass on the court. You play you the play game. To win the game. And you play the game. Get on the court. Do what you learn your teammates. You're you're talking about being in the playoffs. And he said in that in that clip where uh things that should be ironed out in practice, uh, if they're not ironed out in practice, they become uh problems during the game. You know what? Go to practice, have practice, call up practice. I'm pretty sure uh, when when the pandemic started, LeBron got his teammates to get, uh, safely, of course, um, but he got them all together to keep working on their... That's big bro, man. That's, that's big, big bro. bro. Right you that's better be careful, bro. man. That's, that's big bro. bro. Um, to make sure their uh, chemistry was still intact by the time they got to the pandemic. I mean, to the pandemic, to the bubble. So you got, if you're going to be, if you want to be the leader, if you want to be playoff P, if you want to be PG3, you want to be the household name you gotta take some of that shit you gotta wear some of that shit and you have to put your you have to put out what someone would want to lead like you you, if you want these guys to be your quote-unquote followers you have to be someone they're willing to accept as their leader Yep. All right. That's a lot. That's a lot of time on PG three. The boy. All right. We're we're moving, moving on. on. Uh, Brandon, there was a big trade that went down. Blockbuster, blockbuster trade. Blockbuster names. Blockbuster injuries. Russell Westbrook <laughs> for one John Wall, who has sat out the last two years with Achilles injuries. Um, he got sent with a first round pick over to Houston. What were your thoughts about this? Um, I'm really excited for the Washington Wizards. Uh, I think Russell Westbrook is going to play pretty. The yeah. Zardos, Russell uh, Westbrook's going to play, I think, pretty well with Beal. I think they're automatically a playoff team now. Um, I don't think they're going to be a very good playoff yeah. team. They automatically, I think, are going to be the seventh or eighth seed. Russ going there uh, brings them between 44 and 48 wins for next season. Um, I would count it, mark it, whatever you want to do. That will be a playoff team next year. I think Wall um, is an interesting case because that contract is an albatross, and that's going to definitely weigh any team down. That's why they had to send the first-round pick with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting because we're going to get into this. Uh, I mean, we can kind of dovetail into each other. No? All right. Well, what do you think? Um, what do you think? I think Russ going to Washington will be intriguing. Russ's uh, perimeter shooting and free throw shooting has gone down, and he's effectively become essentially a point center, um, being able to rebound. That's a good way to put it. Being able to rebound in the way that he does. Um, so if he's able to defer to Beal in the same sense that he deferred to Harden at times. Beal, his his game has taken off to another level since Wall has uh, missed time, and they all they almost snuck into the playoffs last year, so I think with Russ being there, they can definitely make the playoffs and uh, make it tough for somebody in that first round. Um, the Wall, we could do it now. The Wall case was interesting. (laughs) You wanted to Uh, do it. I wanted to talk about it first. (laughs) Um, The Wall case is interesting, especially now because James Harden is playing hardball 
wants a trade made. We talked about this a couple weeks ago where he alluded to yep. wanting to go to Brooklyn, but now he hasn't come to practice yet. Offseason workouts have started. Um, season starts in like two weeks and he's just not reporting. The coach is trying, is, is making every excuse for him and saying, oh, we're just giving him space. Uh, he'll come on his own time effectively. And this is the f- a first year, first time head coach and Steven Silas, son of Paul Silas, and he's having no help from his star player. Yeah, this is um, a myriad of things come to mind. Um, obviously, Wall and Harden can't play together. We know that. We've talked about that. Um, I'm a big believer that uh, Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the uh, Houston Rockets, he sort of is going to tell Harden, is going to tell uh, Harden basically to other uh, player don't get paid. Because what I talked about um, with you before is that Harden essentially using his leverage as the superstar of the team has gutted this team's future between trading picks, uh, taking on these massive contracts, uh, the, even other than the current coach that they have now, like picking and choosing bit. the I coach. Mean, uh, Daryl Morey had a lot to do with trading picks and stuff as well and giving out I understand those that, big but contracts. Do you think- Basically, the one person I'm talking about is Russ because Daryl Morey did not want Russ there. Okay. That was a James Harden, Tillman Fertitta move. I can't say that. You can't not say uh, that. Russell Westbrook goes against everything Daryl Morey believes yes, in as far as analytics and everything yes, like that. Yes, that is true, but... I think the owner walked into his office and said, we're getting Russell yeah, Westbrook. I don't know about that because I think... Uh, Maury had uh, his back against the wall because Chris Paul was no longer willing to play with James Harden and he had to find somebody to take that albatross of a contract. I don't think you had to find somebody to take the Chris Paul contract. Oklahoma City was willing to take that contract on. If he could have sent it anywhere else, I think he would have sent it anywhere. I think I understand that, but that's just calling it's just calling it a horse a different yes, color. It's a, whatever the it's fuck a bonus that James Harden is friends with Russ, so obviously, but yeah, but I that's think a, the primary yeah. goal there was to move the Chris Paul contract. I just looking at this, you know more about and basketball they than I their do, whole but just looking offense this around to accommodate Russ's involvement. They went small ball, effectively putting Russ at point center. So I mean, more, more the thing about Maury, we know three, uh, three and D play in space, pace and space, but also yeah, the ba- biggest space. thing about Daryl Maury is he's willing to adapt. He's adaptable. Remember, they had Dwight Howard, oh, yeah, they had sure. Clint Capella, they had Paul, Chris Paul. They went and got Russ. Yeah. He's willing to adapt to whatever is conducive to win. Uh, I wouldn't put that on Harden. I just, I just think that Harden. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is Harden has a very big impact on this team as a superstar does in the NBA. And I don't think that you can kind of just say, I know I've been here as long as, and I mean, it happens all the time. It's the player, player empowerment era. So you see it all the time, but the things that Houston has done to accommodate Harden and then just to be like, nah, never mind, I'm out of here. That's kind of what frustrates me about the whole situation. Um, 
And they have Wall there, and Wall and Harden can't play together. They cannot play together. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't think they they are able to play together. Um, I don't think their games are compatible whatsoever with the way that Harden is essentially just a stopgap once he gets the ball. It doesn't leave his hands. And Wall yeah, is an athletic stopper. point guard who can create for others as well. He's he's good with the ball in his hands. Um, as most people say, there's only one ball, but um, yep. yeah, I, I think it's a it's not a great look. Harden playing uh, this the way in which he is. Um, I we there's you're convinced he's getting traded. I was right? say I'm convinced he wants to be traded. I don't know if he's formally asked the team for a trade because everything coming out of the team doesn't appear like they're trying to trade him. They're trying to get him to come and practice. Yeah, to come to practice. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, he's at in Atlanta at little baby's birthday party, giving him like three hundred thousand oh. dollars in gifts. Um, which is weird to give another man three hundred dollars in gifts, but whatever. Um. We all know Harden likes to party. Yeah, and uh, imagine him. Imagine (laughs) him and John Wall in Houston with all those strip clubs. Ooh, Uh, John Wall, known partier in the DC sphere, sir. Um, But yeah, no, um, not (laughs) not the greatest look. I'm also just not a, in general a big fan of Harden's game. I hate watching him. Me Uh, either. It's, it's so, so difficult to watch. Ugly, clunky, and disgusting to watch. Um, I'd be interested. If, I'd be interested if he does end up in uh, Brooklyn, just to see how those three uh, weirdos, for lack of a better term, uh, coalesce <laughs> on one team and deal with there only being one ball. Um, but yeah, no, James is a yeah. That is a weird collection of guys. Odd, a flat earther. A ball oh, stopper, dude. and then Kevin Durant is a very introverted, introverted like very, making fake Twitter accounts guy. Uh, I don't want sen- sensitive gives off the wrong connotation, but uh, he hears everything that's said about him, so I don't want to hear this. Oh, for sure, I he's gonna I, hear this. But I love I you, Kevin Durant. This. I listen to all your podcasts with Bill Simmons. You'd be surprised how quick he's listening right now as we record this. He's not listening. Okay, so folks, we're into the quick hits. Uh, there was a fight night. I'm going to be real fast with this one, folks. So, Brennan, do you know how tall 6'6 six yes, six is? Yes, very aware. Okay. Are you aware how... It's four inches taller than are me. Are you aware... Okay, and and uh, we'll bleep it out if you don't want to say it on the air, but how much do you weigh? Oh, I'll say it. I'm 232 pounds of twisted steel and sex hey, appeal, that's what baby. I'm talking about. Imagine... A six six, buck fifty three, welterweight. That's insane. Welterweight boxer. That is one Sebastian Fundoro. Uh, Fundora, Fundora, Fundora. I don't know. Yeah, I, like, I know. <laughs> He's a super welterweight. Um, I just wanted to touch on the kid because the kid looked phenomenal. He has insane reach, as you can imagine, with him being 6'6". He cleaned up this dude in two rounds. Could have done it in one, honestly, if he wasn't. I don't understand how he has any power behind those punches. He has so much power. And he has so much reach. He can stand eight feet away from you and hit you with an uppercut, and it's going to knock your head back. Yeah. Um, His nickname, which I love, is the Towering Inferno. Um, Look out for this guy. He looks to be an interesting fighter. Uh, Power, speed, reach out of this world. And uh, he seemed to be a nice guy. Uh, He he was joking after the fight. Uh, He wears glasses. He looks like 
your regular uh, he's like 22 years old he looks like the tall kid you knew in high school that everybody told him he should play basketball but he never played yeah, basketball tall, goofy kid. Yeah. yeah but he's a boxer and he's good <laughs> yeah um, and the big the big fight of the night was Errol Spence uh, versus Danny Garcia Spence had been out been over a year since his last fight uh, due mainly to a very scary car crash where he got ejected from his Ferrari. Um, but after... Uh, boxers can still afford Ferraris, boxers, huh? Boxers get paid, man. You take that much B and get a couple pay-per-views, you good. And plus, he has two uh, world titles on his hip. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so Errol Spence looked great through 12. Uh, went on cruise control for a couple of the rounds there. Uh, he mentioned it himself. Um, just not being uh, being out of it for over 400 days. Um, he had to get some of his rhythm back. Um, and uh, Danny Garcia got about three to four rounds. Um, but uh, Spence looked good, uh, fresh, went constantly moving forward. Southpaw stance. Uh he he was a uh, his jab was a uh, gave Danny a lot of trouble. Danny, who uh, usually is a counterpuncher, stays in a defensive position. Uh, just kept just kept taking straight shots from the left from the right hand straight to the face. Uh, so yeah, and uh, Brennan, I think you wanted to touch on a yeah. future fight. Yes, I did. I wanted to uh, talk to you. I am doing um, these segues, so. Folks. You are. You remind me of me when I was young. Uh, Jake Paul, um, we all know. We talked about. You talked about it last week on the Fight Night recap. Um, but there's now there's things coming Ooh, up. Did you fall um, for it? No, not the internet chatter about the Mayweather. Wait, thing. no, that's real. Oh, that's, that's real. real. Oh, I thought that was internet chatter. I was going to talk about the Le'Veon Bell thing. Oh, see, okay, so you 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 fell for it technically because. Uh, last week was Logan Paul. Le'Veon Bell said he'd fight Logan okay. Paul. Uh, I thought because you put Jake Paul fight future here, you were talking about Mayweather versus Jake Paul, Logan's older brother. So who's the one who knocked Logan. out Nate? Okay, but Jake, no, Jake's a legit no. fighter though. He's lost his one fight. Okay. His brother is two and put it I put in the wrong Paul yes. brother then. I met the one who's a oh, fighter. I thought you wanted Logan. to talk about Mayweather Jake. Okay. No, That's is a that thing. a thing? I thought, see, I just see, when I see both their names, I think they're the same yeah, person. I also get confused as well. You know, they all they look, all the, look same. the same. You know how yeah. it goes. Mayweather Nate. Um, <laughs> I was talking about Jake oh, Logan. Oh, that's where you're um, going with it. <laughs> you fucking making me look like a dick. Uh, okay, so Jake Paul, who's the super jacked one that I saw? Are they? I'm yeah, sure they're, they're both jacked. They've got millions shape. of dollars in YouTube money. So, okay, so this is what I wanted to say real quick. Logan Paul fighting Le'Veon Bell. Um, Logan Paul might not be a great fighter, but he's still a fighter. He's still a training fighter. So any of these athletes who think they're just going to walk in the ring and whip someone's ass because they play football or they play basketball, they got another thing coming. This guy trains in boxing. Okay, number two, I pray to God Jake Paul fights Mayweather. I know Mayweather's normally a defensive fighter who doesn't get hit very often, mm-hmm. um, but I think he would 
kill yeah, him. Yeah, he would, he would clean his clock. Uh, I mean, we saw him uh, f- fight forward. I, I, I want to say, I don't think it was the Canelo fight, but there was one of those fights where he mixed it up a little bit. Um, and then with the... Uh, yeah, because that's not his yeah, reputation. Yeah, it's not his reputation at all. He's going to run around the ring, tap, tap, tap. Run around the ring, tap, tap, tap. Uh, good to get him to 50 and 0. Not fun to watch whatsoever. But um, he also did. The James Harden of he boxing. He mix it up with uh, <laughs> James Harden of boxing. That's a good one. You um, mix it up with your boy McGregor. Um, your boy McGregor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, he, he'll, he'll clean this kid in a round, if not two. Uh, Hi. I don't even want him to like make like a make a show. I want him to like the Mike only Tyson way he's gonna make a show guy. of this is like in the McGregor fight. He has money on how long it's yeah. gonna go. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's that's and he always has, yeah, money, he has on money on that's everything. That's his mo. But he's a gambling man. But I would just like I would love to watch him like walk in like Tyson did back in the day. Just walk in, yeah. fucking boom, boom. And I would walk love out. him to do that just for the simple fact. Even though I. I despise Mayweather as a person. He's a bad yeah, person. Yeah, me too. Me too. We've talked um, about this, yeah. But just like any Joe Schmo through the past couple of years that have been like, man, he's a defensive fighter. I could take him. I could take him a puncher's chance. If he just walks in and just gives this kid, like, just ends him in one round, everybody's going to be like, uh, you know what? Maybe not everybody could. Yeah. Give him a two-piece <laughs> and a biscuit. Maybe not everybody could walk That's off the, the street and fight him. Yeah, I'll, and I'll talk about it later in my walk off. But it's it's that one thing where uh, it's so bizarre when people who don't like who follow sports but were never like super into yeah. it. You know what I mean? They're like, nah, eh, I could do that. It's like, no, no, you fucking <laughs> no, couldn't. You could but you know who could speaking you know who could of do something? <laughs> hey, my man, Brennan, do you think Trevor Lawrence could or should force a trade? Um, yes. Uh, after this weekend when I, (laughs) after this weekend when I thought the, uh, Jets, uh, were going to win and the Jets, or excuse me. Yeah. The Jets were going to win and the Jacks were going to lose coming into this weekend. Kind of a thing. I was like, Oh, well we're going to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence, um, here in Jacksonville. And then I started to think, well, if I'm Trevor Lawrence and everything that's going on and for the New York Jets franchise and just the kind of horrific leadership that they've been under and kind of the dumpster fire that it is right now. I mean, I know obviously they have some good pieces in place, but like it just seems it seems a mess. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, would I want to go there or would I rather go to a team that has cap space that has a bunch of picks that's rebuilding that has a clean slate with a new GM. Um, and would I want to go there to the point where I would force my way out, uh, a la Eli Manning or, uh, John Elway, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think he should, uh, or excuse me. I think he could, I don't think he should cause New York city for a first round pick, uh, 23 years old is a pretty awesome place, but He's married. it doesn't matter. I, Oh, he's, he's married. Oh, he got yeah, engaged. he is. Yeah, yeah, I remember when that happened. But um, I mean, still, it's a super cool place to live and everything. But I was just thinking about it yeah, long term. Like, like we saw what happened, Georgia. I don't know if he wants yeah. to live in New York. It would only be a few hours. Jacksonville's only a few hours from his hometown, <laughs> and 
I would say I don't know if New York is attractive to him because he's from Cartersville, Georgia. Yeah, I, I don't think he's into that. Yeah, but um, I, yeah, I don't think he was into that life. But uh, he's not like going out with James Harden no, and John no, Wall no, kind no, of guy. No, he's no, not no, that no, kind of no, guy. No, 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 but also, it's just like looking towards the future. I mean, look what happened to Joe Burrow. I mean, Tua's in this up and down roller coaster right now, too. And it's like, do you want to go to a franchise where you have the possibility? There's not a strong offensive so line. You have the possibility of getting question. hurt. They're going to. You put this in to trick me. What do you mean? No, go ahead. I, I what, didn't know that the, the, he could force the trade to Jacksonville. <laughs> well, Jacksonville's the number two team. So basically, he what he'd say. Anywhere. No, he could, but Jacksonville is one of the only teams that has the capital to move up to get him. They would give both their first round picks, both their second round picks, and that's then the Jets would give Jacksonville number one. Price. That doesn't have to be the asking price, and that's not if he wants no, to but, move. I'm just let, let, let me hear me out. Hear me out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, when John Elway did want to play for the Colts, he ended up in Denver. Denver was at the number two pick in that draft. Um, at least he had the threat to go play baseball um, as well. Um, yeah. When Eli forced himself to get traded, he ended up getting traded for the 17th pick in uh, Phillip Rivers from San Diego to the, uh, the Giants. So I don't think it's um, – I don't know who would be the team that would make the move. Hopefully the Eagles would be willing to make that move. Um but you can't. Carson Wentz has got all your cap space. It don't matter. The rookie rookie deals are slotted. Fifty seven million. I know, slotted. but fifty seven million dollars. We'll give them Carson Wentz. <laughs> it's, it's you said to eat fifty seven million. Once yeah, once the dead cap works itself, he's been on the contract for two three years now. He'll figure itself out. I, I I actually I looked it up. If you trade him before June first, uh, if you try to get rid of him before June first of next year, it's seventy five. Oh. After June first, it's oh. fifty seven. After June first of the twenty twenty one season, yeah, so not next year, but the year after twenty twenty two, it's twenty seven. So we stuck with him for another year. At yeah. least if you, you could keep him for another two years, and you still have to pay twenty seven. <laughs> There's a lot of dead cap out there. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know there is. Just ask us with Nick Foles. Uh, uh, that finally comes off to next year. That's why we have all that cap but, space. Um, I mean, there's a lot of teams that would be willing to move things yeah, you're right. to get somebody of that time if they're willing to. I mean, look at uh, another uh, example. It wasn't necessarily the player wanting to uh, trade, but when uh, Washington moved up to draft RG3 um, with the Rams, they yeah. gave up arm and a leg and they weren't the next team up. So... Yeah, but uh, again, the, the team that wants to move on him would have to have some sort of draft capital or draft else. capital or player capital. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Some sort of some sort of capital to move up. Uh, oh, um, imagine, never, imagine, uh, imagine uh uh Atlanta. We're gonna yeah. trade you Matt Ryan and a first in two seconds. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> God, that yeah. would be insane. Julio Jones, Julio and Trevor, Jones Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley in the backfield. Solid offensive line. That would be nuts. So, do you think he should? I think he should go to the Jets. The Jets look yeah. so god. The only saving grace about the Jets is the offensive line is not terrible, and they have Makai Becton, who is a man amongst boys, um, and he's a rookie yeah. this year. So his blind side will be protected. Yeah, no, that's true. I. Um, 
Yeah, I, I retract my previous statement of saying they don't have a strong offensive line. That might be one of their only but, good things. Uh, they they just have no talent in their skill positions. Um, so it's, it's just, I don't know. And I think players shouldn't get drafted, but that's a whole other. That's a that's a walk off in itself. Yeah, that's a whole. Other thing. All right. It sounds like someone's got to start doing some research. That's a walk off in itself. All right. Speaking of walk offs. As Brennan tinkers with his microphone for everyone to deal with the sounds that we'll produce. Oh yeah, I forgot you guys can hear that. <laughs> uh, the sounds. I'll take it out. I'll we'll take produce. it out. Uh, it is time for the walk-offs. This is the short essay portion or long essay portion where Brennan usually cries <laughs> and uh, Joel Stain. Joe Stain's firm stays firm. Damn it, I could have done so much better. Um, Brennan, I believe. You went last last week. I'm going. Yeah, so I'm going first this week. First this week. So it's time for me to shut up. I'm shut, shut up. up. All right. My walk off this week is entitled a few tenths of a second. When it comes to skill positions in the NFL, I have maintained a very steady singular opinion which is the physical talent of each individual player at the highest professional level is so very close that it comes down to opportunity and execution. You have heard me say these words before, opportunity and execution, but how could that possibly translate to the NFL where high draft picks, big names, and dominant veterans are the end-all be-all of putting together a roster? The truth is what separates the first round running back, wide receiver, or edge rusher is not all that significant on paper than the late round or undrafted players. There are even cases of players that do separate themselves with breakout combine stats, but do not translate to the NFL. Just ask Vernon Golston, Darius Hayward Bay, Matt Jones, Aaron Curry, etc. It is difficult as a fan and student of football to hear people say, we don't have any weapons at blank position. Let's observe this statement. <laughs> All right, here we go. I saw your reaction. Let's observe this statement for a particular position, say running back. While the two leaders in yards are early round picks from big name branded programs, coming in at number three is undrafted rookie free agent from a school most people outside the Midwest have never heard of. James Robinson of Illinois State, an FCS program that's former Division One AA for the uninitiated. While he did not have all the same pomp and circumstance behind him as, a, as the top two running backs, he beat out first round pick from powerhouse that is LSU for the starting job. This is the best, uh, excuse me, this is the best one currently in the NFL to explain my walk off. I understand that this boom potential is a rarity and that's what makes it special. But there, but is there really a huge separation in physical attributes between number one, Derrick Henry and number three, James Robinson? Believe it or not, no. They are on paper only a few tenths of a second apart and not in the areas you would think. While at the combine, King Henry had 18 pounds on Robinson. Robinson still had a better showing on the bench press. He had a better showing in the vertical leap and the shuttle run. However, Henry did have a better 40 time by literally one tenth of a second and a better broad jump by a few inches. Robinson is taking advantage of his opportunities. 
This is commonplace in pro sports. Think about some of the top players. Can you name the college that they went to? For all the talk about blue bloods in college football, and Bama has better skill position players than the Jets or the Jags, which is an asinine thought, many of the players we have come to know and love or hate depending on the fantasy implications, came from smaller or less known programs. Aaron Jones went to UTEP. David Montgomery went to Iowa State. Devin Singletary, Florida Atlantic University. Miles Gaskin was a seventh round pick out of Washington. The best tight end in the NFL went to Cincinnati, for God's sakes. There are countless examples of players that are at the top of their game in the NFL, which are inarguably the highest level of football that went to universities that you will not see in the college playoff or even in the top 25 in some cases. That is because at the highest level, what separates these athletes is not the school they went to or where they were taken in the draft, but how you execute when you're given the opportunity. Because at the end of the day, it just comes down to a few tenths of a second. That Devin Singletary argument is getting worse and worse by the week. I know, but I had to put him in. (laughs) They are never giving him the ball. Actually, 18 carries today uh, for Monday Night Football, only 61 yards. But... um. I feel betrayed, man. You, you said you never kept my face up. You made your document big screen. I I almost never do, but I, I I guess I hit the minimize button and then I started reading, and then I noticed that it goes to like that small oh, screen, yeah. and then I kind of turned and I was like, oh, I can look at him. I never actually watch him yeah, when I, I do heard this. When, when you said um, they have bad skill position, I was like, I guess. Yeah, I know. Why is he attacking me? I know. I know. <laughs> That's what I said. Wait for the walk. Uh, all right. Well, shut up. Shut up. My turn. All right. All right, folks. This week, my walk off is entitled Radio. It's a bit long, so I'm going to try to read fast. I can honestly say I am where I am due to my weird obsession with sports radio. I like <laughs> I like listening and watching Mike and Mike in the morning before school. That obsession with ESPN program went beyond there. I religiously have watched Around the Horn and PTI since like I was seven. This stuck with me and eventually and when I eventually got my own car in order to to go between high school and college when I was doing rolling, I listened to Colin Cowherd and Dan Packer in between classes. I would listen to Stephen A. Smith's Los Angeles uh, show via podcast when doing my homework at night. And this was before I even really knew there were other types of podcasts. I only knew what ESPN put out. Then I'm driving home from a summer class that I had to take uh, at DSC at DBC campus at the DBC campus in Daytona. And I turned on the radio and it was comedian Jay Moore. Who I'm not who I wasn't entirely familiar with at the time. I listened the whole way home. And when I got home, I pulled up the Fox Sports feed online and listened all the way until the end. He just so happened to be filling in for Jim Rome. And it just so happened to be the same day he was releasing the first episode of his podcast. This led me down a road where I. I consumed every comedy podcast I could find. And Jay eventually got a sports radio show, and I started listening to that every day. And then the uh, sorry, then Jay got a sports radio show, and it started the day I left home to move to Jacksonville in order to start college. Uh, this brought me back to the radio, and eventually I became a delivery driver. I had tons of time while in college, and this provided me with tons of time and time to fill. 
I stumbled onto a silly little show out of Miami that I would listen to every now and again when I was back home in South Florida. It was a Dan Levitar show with Stu Gatz. I had listened to people talk. I had listened to people talk seriously about sports forever. And I had heard Jay, this comic, talk about sports in a fun way. But I often felt I knew more than him when it came to certain things and disagreed with him on certain ways he talked about athletes. But when I listened to Dan and Stu and their cast and crew talk, it hit diff- it hit everything. They knew the games. They were funny and they spoke about players like human beings and not just circus animals that were there for their amusement. During the pandemic, they've kept me sane at times and they've probably made and they've made me cry at times. Like when Dan broke down talking about how the pandemic has weighed on his mom and her safety. Like when their black producer, Roy, got choked up discussing being a father and a black man seeing the murder of George Floyd. Last month, ESPN had another round of layoffs because their parent company, Disney, and as many companies are hemorrhaging money during this pandemic. And a casualty, uh, and a casualty was a producer on the Levitard show named Chris Cody. He was fired on Friday, but not for long. Dan rehired him as his quote unquote personal assistant and gave him a raise so that he could stay a part of the show. Then last week, it was announced that Dan and his crew were leaving ESPN. ESPN Radio is losing a good show, a good writer, a good journalist, and a lot of good and talented people. It, if not for the ineptitude that is Stu Gatz, I wouldn't be talking to you right now because if he could do this, anyone could. Stupidity. That was great, man. I didn't know you were a fan of, I didn't know you started listening to Jay Moore and stuff. And that's how you got into all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was more stories yeah, and all that. That was the first yeah. podcast. Then he had Ryan on Crabfees. I listened to, to Daryl Wright, Pete Holmes, everything. Yeah. That's how I, um, Jay Moore show basically. It's kind of creepy that you say that. Cause that's almost, that's almost how I got introduced to a lot of them. Too. That is how I got introduced to a lot of those guys. But I remember it was like his second episode ever of more stories. He had Tom, yeah, Tom yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Kingfish out there, yeah. man. Sideline, uh, sideline, baby. Yeah. <laughs> sideline, sideline. Uh, yeah, but then I, I, I don't know what happened, but I guess they had a falling out. Yeah, um, yeah everybody and, had a bit of a falling out. Um, but yeah, no, that's yeah, how so, I got But that's, that's, that's how crazy. I got that's to weird. Ryan Sickler, Crab Fees, and all that. Yeah. That was my gateway drug. It's so weird when you think back on it because we, we've been listening for so long to all these different podcasts and shows and stuff. Like, if you really break it down, it's like, wait, how did I start listening I to know that? I know. I started like, listening oh to everything. God. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. And it's like, I go all the way back to like that second episode of Jay Moore's podcast. It was, it had to be almost 10 years ago. And it's like, Oh, that's how I found Tom Segura. And then I just became that's a fan over of his. And then it, I just yeah. turned 27. That's nuts. So yeah, that's over 10 years ago. I was like 16 when I found that. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I've been listening to all of them for like over a decade yeah. now. That was good, man. I really appreciate it. As someone who listens to a lot of podcasts and a lot of, I mean, SVP and Rosillo got and me through jail. That's who it was. I kept, when I was starting to think about it, when I was on driving home, I was like, damn, who was on that damn ESPN One lineup? to three, I was baby. Like, I remember Cowherd, yeah. and then I blanked out on who, it was fucking Ryan and Rosillo. I mean, uh, Van Yeah, Powell it was Mike and Mike, and then, yeah, Mike and Mike went into uh, SVP and no, Rosillo, and then that went into Cowherd I did was, it, and then Cowherd yeah. went into SVP. They were so. one to three. Okay, Cowherd was at ten to one. Yeah, because 
Okay, because I remember when I was in jail and finally got sentenced, I became what's called a trustee. And my my job was you get a job to like lower your sentence. My job was to uh, I had to work at a substation. So every morning at like 7 a.m., I'd get driven to the substation. And long story short, um, by like the afternoon, by like around one o'clock, I would have to go outside after I did all the cleaning inside the substation. I have to go outside and wash cars. And they had a little transistor mm. radio out there, and I found ESPN radio and SVP and Rosillo. I was one to three the whole time I was there. I would just listen to them. I had the breaks down and everything. And dude, that's I always liked Scott Van Pelt, but that's when Ryan Rosillo like really clicked yeah. with me. That's why you always see me on the the cheering press uh, social feeds. I'm always messaging him <laughs> and stuff because I that. That dude, it's that, a I love that dude. I didn't mean to talk to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of, big shout out to Nora Princiati retweet, retweeting us. Yeah, shout out. And it's time now for. Brandon, can you tell them where they can tweet at us like Nora's. <laughs> Speak, Speaking of social media, um, you can follow the show at Cheering Press on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, of course, uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, please. Let's get those numbers up. We're doing rookie numbers. We got to pump those numbers up. Um, also, you can follow me at Brennan T Comedy on all social media. Check out my website, BrennanTComedy.com. I am also a comedian. Um, I have a lot of dates coming up. Actually, my calendar is filling up quick. I know we are in a pandemic, but I live in a red state. They don't <laughs> give a shit. So we are being masked up. We are being socially distant. We are taking extreme precautions for these shows. But I have shows coming up uh, in Florida. Check out my website, Brennan T Comedy, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. I'm going to be all over, baby. Comedy is back. Did Joe. you plug your podcast? Or did I miss it again? Oh, I'm okay, sorry. I didn't miss it. <laughs> no, I know you didn't. Um, I also uh, have another podcast that I do called Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. My co-host Joe Dorville was on a few weeks ago. I've got friends, comics, uh, chefs, uh, musicians, artists of all types on. And we just talk drinking stories, getting in trouble stories, party stories. Um, I am sober now. But I still love to reminisce with old friends. So just like we used to do when we were drinking, we just talk shit and reminisce. It's called Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. Great show. Fun show. I enjoy listening to it. Listen for the uh, check out the new <laughs> intro, baby. Uh, l- listen to uh, I can't remember code name. Scott, Stephen Scott. Scott, Scott Sandlin, Sandlin or Stephen Baker. No, Scott Sandlin. Uh, the the, the Bogo to Columbia story. Oh, Anxiety oh, yeah. gave me so much anxiety. Dude, <laughs> it's the worst. Um, right, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Dorville. You can check out my hip hop album TV by Headphone Joe. No, oh no, E in the phone. Um, you can check out everything on the A New Low Network. I'd say specifically if you're a Hamilton fan, listen to Who Does a Pod. If you like general uh, nonsensical bullshit. Shithousery, <laughs> uh, shit as the Fulham uh, Fulhamish would say. Um, 
You can listen to a new low. And uh, if you're into some science shit, we have actual smart people on our network. I don't know how they listen to us to join our network, but they did. It's called the Misbehavior Journal Club. It's a very good show. Very well done by a doctor. And somebody has a high science degree, but I don't think she's a doctor as well. Um, that's Leia Krevit and Amiel Moreno. I've been your host, Brennan. Hold on, before I got a shout out Clinton Yates because I used two of his bits. Uh, so shout out to the big homie Clinton Yates. Um, big bro, big, big homie. Big homie. Big so Brennan, that is why we play the game. Hello, hello. Huge shout out Alfred Morris, my man, coming to play.